Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, Guts Racing, and Phoenix Handlebars. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Also with us on for this particular episode is Throttle Syndicate Graphics. You need your bike to be looking tip-top on race day or practice day. Uh, you're going to rely on Throttle Syndicate. Those guys are amazing. Ryan over there does awesome uh design work they'll work with you they'll make you something absolutely spectacular and you're going to like what you your, the way your bike looks when you work with throttle syndicate i'm your host brad gebhardt with us on the line we have a very special guest uh and this was all spurred over uh a video that i posted as a reel on instagram uh to me it's a video or it's a segment that st- has stuck out to me since the very first time that i watched motocross videos it's from the very first uh of the first trilogy of the children of a metal god videos uh they head on up and uh they got this local kid named jimmy lamastis who is absolutely ripping and now we have him on the podcast jimmy how's it going i'm doing good yourself hey not doing too bad thanks for taking my call uh yesterday you were going uh basically from the middle of the country back to where you're at now uh you're not exactly jet lagged but a long drive will certainly uh, uh add some fatigue to the situation uh i really appreciate you making some time to uh to talk about your career yeah no problem man yeah it was uh quite the drive but uh manage to get through it and home safe so that's always a plus absolutely well as a a, a a motocross privateer back in the day i'd imagine that you're no stranger to some long drives uh and maybe we say we can, you got some good stories from the road that you can share with us but uh before we get into like the 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 full story of jimmy lamassis as a, a professional racer um Dive straight into that segment for me, because that's one of the second or third segments of uh, one of the, in my eyes, one of the most iconic and maybe the one of those lesser known motocross videos from that era. Of course, everyone thinks about Krusty Demons or Terra Firma or Steel Roots, but uh, the Children of a Metal God series was a very, uh, it was a three-part series. Uh, they went over three different years, or I guess they recorded it over four different years. Greg Godfrey was uh, the videographer for it, uh, who would obviously go on to create the whole nitro circus series uh that's where he's from but uh how do you end up get getting contacted and um like yeah just get into that for me um we had a little local shop white knuckle and uh, another buddy uh doug miller from the years past and stuff i was just got my pro number the year before when i graduated high school 97 and uh 98 i didn't really have a bike and uh I was in Lewiston and got this Honda from a buddy York and 
they contacted me, said meet up to Clarkia. So I came up to Clarkia. My dad met me there, and uh, Godfrey and them had the big semi truck, and uh, we started talking and going around the track. And uh, once I hit the berm, they're like, "We got to get that shot," and uh, just went from there and made a couple other different jumps and stuff. And uh, it was a short day, but uh, it was it was fun. And then uh, yeah. later, later down the road in 2000, we did. I met up with them again doing uh, the third video of the trilogy and uh went to moab utah and um they definitely uh little segments like that definitely helped my career that's for sure got it started for sure like that that's that uh, to me is like an iconic shot like and it's fun it's funny to hear that you would hit that corner that way before uh and they must have saw you do it and be like yeah we need a a shot of that for those who don't know uh youtube i'm sure you can just search jimmy lamastis and it's the first thing that comes up um you come hauling into this corner on a cr 252 stroke and there is no letting off it is all the way around like it's just the corner just seems to go forever and uh fearlessly you send it on in there and uh yeah it just kind of like let her buck until the very end and uh yeah it's just like like take us through that like how familiar were you were you with that track and uh i imagine that's probably one of the most fun corners uh maybe in the history of the sport of motocross yeah it uh it was my pretty much my backyard um we lived 120 miles away from clarkia um it's called the possible and uh i've been riding there since uh 83 and that turn, they just kept building the berm up and it just kept hitting it on the outside every every weekend. And uh, just happened when they came up to shoot the video, uh, the berm was just set right. And I just uh, laid it over and, you know, gave her the wood and it worked out really well. But there's also times where uh, that my ass in came over the edge of the berm and I took out the flagging booth next to it there for the start. And uh, never fun. But, uh, yeah, it just, you know. It was just right at the right moment, and I just sent it. That's awesome, man. Like, what what else do you remember from that particular, uh, like you said, it's not a long segment, maybe a two or three-minute segment to begin with, um, but going out there, meeting up with those guys, and, like, had you had any idea, aside from, yeah, like, I'm sure it looked super cool to rip that corner, that that, uh, that segment and that particular shot would go on and create kind of uh, infamy, at least in the mind of this podcaster? Um... Not really, you know, because I was just, uh, I guess you want to say a punk kid back in the day is just uh, raced on the weekends, uh, worked during the week, uh, didn't really train. I wish I would have, looking back, wish I would have trained a lot better. Um, I just took the, uh, you know, my riding ability for granted and didn't train. And, and uh, that thing came along and opened quite a few doors um, for me. I uh, got a ride down in uh, Phoenix and stuff from that ride. and. Um, everything just started connecting, you know, moved to Phoenix and started doing the four stroke nationals and then going up into Canada and up into Alaska, riding for KTM, went to Costa Rica. Um, it was great. I mean, I wouldn't take anything back from it all. For certain. And like, yeah, like I, I totally agree. And it's amazing that uh, something like that can open those doors. So to that, I ask you then, how did the whole, the whole motocross story for you start? At what point in your life does either a parent or somewhere along those lines, uh, show you the sport, you get your first bike and, uh, and what was the local riding scene like? Um, well, my dad, he started riding and, uh, I mean, back to where we didn't have a trailer or nothing. He would squatted CR 480 in the back trunk of the car and 
we'd go riding and one day I decided I wanted to ride and from then I haven't you know stopped riding um and then it just got better and better I started with half face checkered helmet you know cowboy boots overalls no gloves or duct tape numbers and just was trying to send it had big old Elsinore pipe always just wanted to ride dad would take us every weekend and ride in the backyard and and once I started winning races it was just that's all I wanted to do when I was younger and uh yeah it just led from one thing just to the next to the next to the next and it was great uh that that's that's super interesting like who who are some of the guys that you grew up racing against within is it the Oregon area um around here let's see my family originally came from indiana my grandpa okay. flat track then my dad rode so that's how we kind of got into the whole racing thing okay. um you know growing up around here i mean local kids you know um tim green um rider jesse williams from oregon uh, danny smith <clears throat> from southern idaho um you know then guys that i looked up to locally like sean McAllister, jason mccormick ryan huffman lance Smale scott steffi i mean the list would just go on i think i came up in the air where it was just wfo all the time you know you're there to win races not make friends there you go that uh, can create some bad blood especially on some some of those fair races and stuff like that like uh, how old were you when you got onto big bikes and uh how quick was the progression for you to start uh racing some uh some top flight nationals um well riding the 80 12 to 16 and super mini 125 intermediate and 250 intermediate at Washougal. And um, once I started staying up with the pros, when I turned 15, my dad said, let's go. We need to make some money to pay for the races anyway because we um, weren't rich. Mom and dad, you know, held their jobs and stuff. But going to the races back then was expensive for us. And if it wasn't for my grandparents, it probably wouldn't have uh, took off like it did. Um, They helped fund a couple of the races. And, uh, yeah, it was a <clears throat> work race, work race, and in between that, have fun. Sounds like a great time to be alive. It's uh, like sort of 90s moto uh, personified. Uh, what were you doing uh, like 9 to 5, uh, or at least probably more like, I'm thinking it was probably construction um, I was working on a rock crusher. There you um, go. I graduated yeah. out of high school. Um, I was working on a rock crusher, did some landscaping, um, did some um, mowing lawns. I mean, whatever I could that could go with my schedule of, you know, riding on the weekends and maybe getting one or two days a, a weekend. Um, luckily when I was on the rock crusher, the track was right above the place. And I went and worked all day, got off and went and rode for an hour or two after work and then went home and did it all. And did it all over again. Like, uh, so why Hondas? What is like, what was the local, uh, shop yep. that you, you'd mentioned that you had a local shop that you worked with? Uh, like a 90, yep. uh, 96, I got a Honda from Max cycle in Lewiston. And then the next year, 97, I was able to get a couple Suzuki's. Um, and then I went to Washougal and got two fifteenths, and then we went to New York. Uh, Brumatoga got one more point and then uh, Ronnie Tischer and I collided in the air and I broke my thumb so we were done that year and had enough points to get national number 75 and the next year I got on that Honda and then the Children Metal God thing <clears throat> and I was racing that and went to a four-stroke national um, 
ended up getting third on a borrowed 98 uh, YZ400 and got two thirds. And then uh, Premier from uh, Phoenix, Arizona hooked me up, said, meet me at uh, Salt Lake. Went down to Salt Lake and I went 4-1. And, or actually, I didn't not let Salt Lake. I got on the podium um, and then we went to Denver and I went 4-1. I was the first one to beat Smale on his long streak of like three years. There you go. And then it just then it just started taking off, going to Costa Rica, then coming up to Canada, and racing that Lethbridge Honda Suzuki Alf. There, he uh, got me some bikes and just started going across Canada and during the winter time and a lot of traveling, well, a lot of driving. <laughs> I was gonna say that that's where that those uh, those long days on the road uh, that I'd mentioned earlier sort of uh, factor in there. Uh, tell me your first impressions yeah, of riding uh, and racing but, a four-stroke. I you cut out. I couldn't hear you. Oh, sorry about that. No, I I was gonna say uh, like your first impressions of right racing four yep. strokes. That must have been foreign territory for you, but uh, you made it work. Yeah, the bike was a lot heavier. I really didn't know how to ride it. They just told me ride it in a higher gear and it seemed to work out really well. Suspension was horrible because it was stock and set up for woods. But um, yeah, it did what it needed to do. I was pumped. I didn't get hurt. <laughs> Uh, so how, how did you end up coming up to Canada to nope. race? Uh, the very first time that I saw you race was in, uh, Grunthal 1999. Uh, and it, like the, the results or the, the running order says that you were on a Husqvarna, but, uh, yeah. Like how did that all come together? I thought you, maybe you were on a KTM. Um, <clears throat> well, back in my 80 days, uh, when it was snow here, they had that Lethbridge in Calgary, medicine hat they all had arena cross and stuff and then a few guys <clears throat> saw me from the the video and got hooked up um, with kootenai sleds and wheels and got some ktms and then um came back to the states and that's what i was doing the four stroke national stuff with some of the races and then yeah, i just kind of bounced around a little bit up there i really didn't spend too much time and then i got got up with uh, ktm of canada and went back to did um, some of the nationals um i think my best finish was a fourth but uh a lot of driving not so much i didn't get the thing about flying it was just driving all the time so what was the uh what was the vehicle of choice uh like what was this beast oh. Oh. still not hearing me you cut out sorry man uh yeah it might be the my wi-fi um nope. but who knows can you hear me now yeah i got I got five bars. Yeah, it's probably on my side. Uh, can you still hear me now? <laughs> yep. Okay, perfect. Uh, so what, what was the uh, the vehicle of transportation going? Uh, like, did you have multiple different vehicles you used, or was it one box van? Tell me about it. No, I. Uh, we had. Well, I got uh, a van from Canada. They gave me a van. Um, KTM gave me this $500 van with $2,000 worth of wheels and three brand new KTMs in it <clears throat> came down. And then most of the other time I just, uh, either a truck trailer or a box van, um, towards obviously the later part of my years, the uh, box van worked. And then I started having kids and then it was the camp trailer and truck, but, uh, yeah, mostly a truck and trailer. 
truck trailer and off you go to the races what were those ktms like like this is this is long before ryan dungy comes over to ktm and they completely revamped the racing program like what were the fit what was the fit and finish like uh for bikes yeah, that... they were i mean they were good hey, go um, i always had a problem with just the rear suspension because it was the linkless suspension back then so when i ra- would go one corner go to the left it worked great but then when i'd go to the right because the linkage it wasn't centered it was on the swing arm um it would just pogo you right out of a high speed corner we we put hours and hours and hours in it and it just was never happening so then i went over and got on the uh uh well what year was that 99 yeah uh, well yeah 99 and 2000 yeah that's when I rode the KTM when they first, well, the 2000s when they first came out with that new. So I don't remember what bike I was riding in 99. <laughs> I want to say, like, was there, was, was there any time that you raced a Husaberg? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I started, I raced a Husaberg in 98 and 99, but I didn't, I didn't race it up in Canada. Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, like, uh, that must have been American Nationals then. I did do um, a couple of Washougal and uh, Denver on my Husebergs, um, Glen Helen and Sacramento. But <clears throat> yeah, back then I didn't really train as much as you should. And, you know, it was probably mid twenties, you know, the 35th, but uh, yeah, those are things back then you just never really looked at. And nowadays you see them and I mean, they're going full board about the whole training and thing. And I think it's a great, you know, even my age right now, I wish I would have trained. I wouldn't have so many broken bones probably, but uh, what can you do? You just uh, live life and go with it. Absolutely. Uh, did you mix some supercross into uh, those, those races as well? Like, were you, were you trying to make main, main events in supercross in addition to uh, racing outdoor nationals? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did Daytona '98. I had a guy named Jack Hansen. He he took me um, to Daytona '98. Did Houston. I did San Diego. Um, some Anaheim. Obviously, Seattle was a close one. Um, before they shut down the Kingdom. Um, did uh, what? Else? Yeah, Houston. But yeah, most of the other stuff. I just did a lot of local races and had a better paycheck <laughs> so what was Still that like? series stuff pack west was pack west was huge back in the day yeah um you know you could go to the weekend and make a couple grand with winning the races and then contingency money on top of it um and then again you know going back to work and working all week certainly like it, it's kind of crazy to think that uh it it almost seems like being a, uh, a professional, uh, someone who would go out and race those fair races and the local races uh, in the early 2000s is maybe a more viable and uh, money-making venture than it is today in 2022. Yeah, uh, you know, I think so. I see what they're getting paid these days. I mean, you got to be in the top 20 or you're not uh, making any money. Um, you know, you can go to a fair race and make a couple grand where you make an outdoor national, you get, you know, 21st place, you're barely making a thousand bucks. 
you know, then plus the drive and stuff. So local races with the fairgrounds and stuff were definitely, um, helped me go from race to race. That's for sure. Definitely. And so, so who are some of the other sponsors that you had throughout the earliest portion of your career, like uh, gear sponsors? Uh, was it just throughout a local shop or, or what were some of your most loyal sponsors that you had during your pro career? Um, I had uh, Thor, you know, Fox Smith was really, they took care of me. Um, HJC, um, once I had Biafi, Premier Helmets, um, local shops. Uh, let's see who motion sports was a good one. Um, premier, um, out of Phoenix, Arizona, um, local, uh, bike Bartman signs, um, with graphics and stuff and decals, uh, Maxima was huge for me. Maxis tires was another great one. Uh, one industries, um, tag metals, you know, Renthal, uh, Deval engineering, RG three, could go yeah i mean it's been pdr they did my suspension um experience power sports the last part of my career um for moses lake has done an awesome job supplying me with yamahas um my parents you know just everybody that's ever helped me been so many people throughout the years you know they they come and go as um you know they get into the sport put a bunch of money in and then you know then they go out and do something else. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough gig. I mean, to uh, this day and age, you know, <clears throat> I hang out with uh, Ryan Brees a lot and I see the amount of effort that they put into getting him going to, from, you know, race to race to do the whole supercross. I mean, that year, this year for him was phenomenal <clears throat> and he's my wife's cousin. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's a full-time job of itself, you know, not having, you know, a trainer, not having uh, a PR guy, you know, it's just him and his girlfriend, McKenna. And, you know, I think they did uh, a hell of a job this year. Um, I didn't have, you know, back then we didn't have this Facebook, all this Instagram stuff where, you know, we were walking from store to store, just asking, you know, to sponsor this kid on a dirt bike. Cause he won all these races and it was tough, you know, dad, you know, did what he he could, bounce from job to job. You know, trying to take me racing dirt bikes. It was not easy. And any family that's in the dirt bike can know that it's a it's a it's a lot of a lot of money and a lot of effort. It's a team effort. Everybody's got to be on the program. They certainly do. And and, and Brees, he has he's had some some <clears throat> great support over the years. Uh, he's earned a lot more of it this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him um putting in a position put himself in a position to race some world supercross in the the coming years and um yeah i'll get nothing but uh time for a guy like ryan Brees. he's a hard-working kid who loves his sport um as far as your professional career uh we don't have any like uh like professional ama results past 2004 uh about how long were you like fully active as a as a um a local pro um and what did uh life after pro motocross look like for you um yeah well shugle 04 was my last national um you know after that i already had two kids and a wife and uh just wasn't as easy of going places to places i mean we did our best <clears throat> all of us in my box van and um 
you know, racing, racing, and they started racing and, you know, then I just had to kind of slow down and focus on the family stuff, not even training or nothing. And then going to these races and ended up getting hurt, you know, a few times. Oh, six really shattered my ankle. Oh, seven almost died. Um, just not hitting the triple hard enough. And, uh, yeah, then I just started having to look at life a little bit, um, more of, uh, you know, I'm a dad now and I have to uh, show my boys what it uh, takes to be a, a father and producer of the, the house and make money. And <laughs> we, I mean, we did what we could, but it was just going to be a nine to five job. And last year, I mean, I still race these races, but I, my racing probably pretty much is done after my last accident last year in March. My compound fractured my femur, broke my ankle, my ah. wrist and my back. And, uh, yeah, the wife, she's pretty much on the thing of not wanting me to ride dirt bikes, but she knows it's the thing I've done in my whole life. So it's uh, we're going to be doing some camping and some riding dirt bikes, not so much racing. going to help a little more uh, kids and stuff. My boys, they um, decided to go a different avenue, which I was really, I wasn't hurt by it because I couldn't deal with picking them up off the ground bleeding or, or like knocked out. I don't know how my mom and dad did it. They definitely had more strength than I did, but you know, just you go pick up your boy and he's bleeding and knocked out and you're just like, Oh my gosh, it really set into me, but it's part of the deal. You know I mean? It happens, but it just kind of bothered me a little bit. And now life is great. Both my kids are out of the house and just me and my wife and a couple of dogs and, uh, yeah, working go out and have fun a camper and a dirt bike like i i I, it sounds like to me that you're gonna find yourself back on the line at some point you got that honeydew list to uh, to take care of maybe uh, earn yourself some brownie points so she lets you go back uh, out and do some racing because you as well as i know once motocross gets its claws into you once those foot pegs dig into your boots um, there's no really way of escaping it until your body just says straight up no. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to um, uh, leave that as a, uh, a career not totally finished on your part. I, I'm thinking that you probably don't want to have your last ever memories racing a dirt bike with a, uh, a compounded fracture of the femur. Uh, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, I've got, I've got on the bike twice this year already. And uh, <clears throat> she's leaving and going to concert this weekend. Okay. So I'm stuck at home, so I think I'm going to go and ride my bike. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Love it, man. That no, is she's awesome. Been my number one, she, she's been my number one supporter. Um, we've been married, uh, well, we've been together 17 years, and she's been there through all of it. And uh, so now I just got to do a little more things that she wants to do instead of just being me because I'm old and, and, uh, you know, I still want to be able to get out and play basketball and do other things, be active. And right now I'm not so much and it drives me crazy. <laughs> I hear you, but, man. Um, yeah, being older, being older and these injuries, you know, definitely put a toll on your body. You ain't bouncing back like I was 20. So 
Certainly not, and ne- neither does mine these days. But uh, yeah, I think uh, you just hit the nail on the head, man. Having a a great support system, a, a loving wife that uh, has supported you for so many years, um, sacrificing a few days at the track for maybe a couple of uh, of, of weekends uh, out camping um, and and doing some of her stuff, and uh, and and having that give get give and take definitely uh, goes a long way. Um, but yeah, it's great to see that you have that perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to happen. She knows it's going to happen, but I'm just going to build up to it, not just jump back into things. And, uh, you know, it's still great that I still get a free bike. Um, 509 has been helping me with gear um, the last couple of years. Um, PDR, I mean, they've been doing my suspension, uh, my work. Um, you know, anybody that's ever helped me in an all my friends and family. I mean, it's, if you, you, you got to have everything connected and when everything's connected, everything will work out. You know, it's life is a beautiful thing and you're only here once and you, you got to make the best of it. Well, it certainly sounds like you made the best of a pretty amazing motocross career. Jimmy Lamast is here on the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, as well as Guts Racing. Uh, Jimmy, this has been a lot of fun. I wanted to uh, to connect with you about uh, this that awesome video segment that you did with the Children of the Metal God guys and Greg Godfrey. Um, and I hope that we did exactly that. I really appreciate you coming on to uh, share some stories. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, one big guy for did forget was Andy Bell. Oh, Andy Bell, he yes. had a big influence of getting me up to Canada back with Darren uh, Peelin, I think is his last name. But uh, yeah, you know, I've had a, it's been a great, great run. And um, I've met a lot of great people along the way. And the motorcycle community is uh, like no other, no other sport in the world that I've been with or anything. I mean, it's, it's great. And uh you know, you to be able to give back and help kids and, um, you know, do podcasts with you. Um, my first one, kind of a little nervous even being on the phone, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's been great. I have, uh, the only regret maybe I really have is, uh, no training. You know, I guess I should have put a little more effort into the training as much as I was riding the dirt bike and, uh, who knows what could have happened. Fuck, man. Who knows what'll happen? Either way, I think you have a ton of great memories, and and that's what's that's what racing motocross is all about: is being able to uh, get that throttle therapy, enjoy yourself, be with the friends and family and the the people that you love to have to surround you at the track. And uh, if nothing else, I can certainly see say that you did exactly that, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I hope I've done a, you know, a good job. I mean, you know, life the way it goes. It's just uh. It's just awesome, and you know, just to see how the whole sport and everything is uh, getting bigger. It's just, uh, it's, it's awesome. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much for making time for me here on the Big MX Radio podcast. I hope you're able to uh, uh, comb through your career a little bit and give some people some insight on the man behind that iconic shot of you ripping through that. Uh, uh, that left-hand corner. Uh, and this has been fun. I hope uh, we can we can chat again sometime. Yeah, for sure. No, anytime, man. Awesome. Well, do not hang up just yet, Jimmy, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.